What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 82, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Prodigy. We're an independent podcast, and you can help keep the thing independent by visiting our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate, spelt precisely as it should be. Uh, there you can find that there's some tiers, uh, you know, not tiers like crying, but, you know, tiers like uh, levels. And um, uh, different things that you can do, but, uh, or no, I'm sorry, different levels of votes that you can have for rewatches, which... Uh, we are promising to do if we reach a particular number of votes. I think it's 20 for a particular episode. Yep. We would yep. watch it, give it a new rating. Well, I don't know. Maybe a new rating, maybe not. That There's only one way to find out. Um, but if you are a person who's like, I can't do a Patreon thing right now, don't worry. Uh, the f- content will always be available uh, where podcasts are found. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, your favorite podcast aggregator. The Patreon stuff will be uh, behind the Patreon wall for a bit, and then we'll put it on the main feed because we are like that. We, we, we do that. But if you want the insider scoop and if you want the ability to influence what we do, uh, you can just jump over there to do that. And um, also, uh, I keep forgetting to check until I start reading these very words. Uh, the Apple Podcast Review Promise still stands. The, 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 the Apple Review Pod Promise. Uh, <laughs> leave us a review and we will give you a dramatic recreation. That and I'm here to tell Apple you, Brent, that I remembered to look. Oh, did you? Good. And we don't have anything new right ah, now. Ah, you guys. Come on, guys. Which means it's your job to go do something. Go go, go on there. Leave a review. Uh, also, uh, we have mentioned before, if you're an international listener, we are 90% sure that we cannot see those reviews. So if you wouldn't mind capturing a little screenshot of that, uh, the, the extra bonus uh, uh, offer on the table is that uh, uh, I promise to take the words literally, run them through a crummy translator, and uh, just uh, come, just 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 run with it on the other side. So, uh, you know, folks that leave uh, complicated to translate idioms, that would be delightful, etc. Um, but Zach, if they wanted to, uh, if they wanted to let us know that uh, that that indeed they have done their homework and that Apple is uh, suspiciously keeping these reviews from us because they have a, an ulterior motive, uh, how might they alert us to that? Well, to that if there is an Apple conspiracy theory, Brent, then the best thing that you can do to <laughs> let us know is not talk with Apple, but talk with nope. Google. So Gmail yes. us. Uh, <laughs> we have an email address. It's called walking through the stargate at gmail.com. It is W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G-H-T-H-E-S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E at gmail.com. Nice. That's Google Worlds. That's not Apple World. And since they don't talk very well together, you can use Google to share your conspiracy theories about Apple. back channels. Yeah, that's right. There you go. Or you can find us on Twitter at Stargate Walking or on Facebook with the Walking Through the Stargate Facebook page and Facebook group. Uh, Hit that like button on the page and join that Facebook group and participate in the conversations. Uh, Every week we invite people in uh, who are listening to uh, write, uh, give their predictions for what we do. And usually that happens. uh, You you can email that to us or you can also Mm -hmm. uh, put your predictions online. I get that up and running. Uh, every week before we record. Uh, mm-hmm. So you can do that on Facebook there as well. Yes. 
Uh, and then, of course, there is Patreon. Uh, it is. I, I want to tell you, Brent, I haven't had a chance to tell you this, um, but we did have one person who upped their pledge this last week. Hey! Uh, or maybe it was a week and a half ago. Um, from a gate jogger to a gate sprinter. Ooh. So that means we have two gate sprinters, and gate nice. sprinters get five votes a month on a rewatch. You take those votes and you spread them out between whatever episode we've watched, and when that episode gets to 20 total votes, uh, votes carry from week to week to week to month to month to month. Uh, once that hits 20 votes, then we will rewatch that episode and uh, do another podcast about that and talk about it and review it. Uh, by all means, also let us know if you have any specific questions or thoughts or comments about that episode. Yeah. Let us mm-hmm. know that as well, Patreon supporters. Um, and uh, we'll go with that. Yeah. Uh, awesome. So that's like kind that, of exciting. Uh, looks like that, that gate training's been paying off. Well, you know, what else are you going to do during this pandemic? You know. Well, yeah. You, you so. Stare at the clouds. Oh, yeah. Wonder, wonder, <laughs> wonder about so many things, Zach. You can just stare and wonder about so many things. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Oh. Okay. So anyway, shall we dig into the background facts for this episode, Brent? Yeah. All right. This. So this episode, Prodigy, was directed by Peter DeLuise. Yep. This is Peter's last episode this season. And as mm-hmm. I was doing some reading, though, I actually discovered that Michael Shanks was originally scheduled to direct this episode, but something happened oh. uh, at the last minute, and I didn't hear why, uh, that he was not able to direct this se- this episode. So huh. Peter jumped in there and took this over. That said, Might- uh, oh, Michael Shanks will be directing a future episode. Uh, Good. So we will talk more about that in a little bit. I did realize, I think it was yesterday, uh, Michael Shanks is not in this episode at all. Yes. If I recall. And I will talk about that more in a little bit. Okay. All right. So, uh, the story for this episode is by Brad Wright, Joseph Malozzi, and Paul Moley. Mm -hmm. This is Brad's uh, third credit this season. Um, Of course, as the creator and showrunner, he's got lots of hats on his head that he's always involved in everything, but uh, he actually does get a story credit for this. The teleplay (laughs) itself was by Joseph and Paul. Uh, This is their sixth of seven writing credits this season. Mm -hmm. We have a ton of guest actors in this episode, and I'm not going to um, talk about all of them, uh, but I will highlight a few. Uh, Mm -hmm. We have Elizabeth Rosen, who plays Cadet Jennifer Haley in this. Mm -hmm. She's a Canadian actress. She began her career in 92, uh, appearing in episodes of Neon Rider and uh, The Odyssey. Neon Rider again. We've we've heard that name several times now. Yep. Uh Uh, She has appeared as a guest star in many Canadian and U.S. produced TV shows, including, of course, SG-1 and Caprica, which is the uh, sequel to Battlestar Galactica. Oh, I wonder if I recognized her from that. That's quite possible. That's quite possible. Um, she's also performed in many TV movies such as The 11th Victim and Hunt for the Unicorn Killer. Mm-hmm. So there's a little <laughs> bit about Elizabeth. Um, I I kind of want to look up. I kind of want to look up that movie, The Hunt for the Unicorn Killer. Yeah. <laughs> Something tells me that one might be silly, which would be right up my alley. Probably. Probably. 
Maybe it's a very serious fantasy drama. Sure. Yeah, okay. Could be. Yeah. Could could, be. It okay. absolutely could be. Yep. Um, we do have Keith Martin Gordy, who plays Professor Monroe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Michael Kopsa, who plays General Kerrigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the commentary when about Kopsa, they were saying that uh, uh, he had a major fever that day of filming. And so really? he just had to tough out being super sick uh, through his scenes for that. Uh, which I find impressive because by watching him, you wouldn't have known that. No. Have guessed that. Agreed. Um, we do have some scientists in this one. We've got Hrothgar Matthews. Love that. <laughs> That's a Hrothgar. great name. He plays Dr. Hamilton. This is the, the primary scientist on the moon. Uh-huh. Uh, he was born in 1964 in Toronto, Ontario. He's an actor known for Reindeer Games in 2000, The Core in 2003, and Human Cargo in 2004. His first acting credit came in 1990 when he played Rick in the TV movie Princes in Exile, which is about a 17-year-old diagnosed with a brain tumor who has two goals in his life. One, to publish his journal, and to lose his virginity. Uh, mm-hmm. No, Hrothgar did not play uh, <laughs> this, this character. He was one of the secondary characters, Rick, in that. But there gotcha. you go. Uh, we have Bill Dow playing Dr. Bill Lee. This was uh, mm-hmm. the shorter doctor with the glasses, bald head. Yes. Uh, yeah. He is an award-winning actor and director, and occasionally he's written some stuff in theater, film, and television. He's got tons and tons of credits throughout his career. Uh, and this mm-hmm. is the beginning of Dr. Lee as a recurring character throughout the Stargate franchise. Really? We will see him right. come again and again, and he will be developed as the seasons progress. So That's good to hear. Welcome okay. to Dr. Lee, and uh, we'll see you again later. Yeah, good. We, we have Roger Haskett, who plays Dr. Thompson. Uh, I don't really have anything new to say about him. We have Russell Ferrier, who plays Major Griff. We've mm-hmm. talked about him. He is returning here yep. uh, for that character. And finally, we have Michael Ryan playing General mm-hmm. Ryan. Mm-hmm. General Ryan, Michael Ryan, is the son of General John Dale Ryan. Michael Ryan is was the 16th Chief of Staff of the United States Air Force from October 1997 until his retirement on October 1st, 2001. He's a graduate of the class of 1965 at the Air Fo- U.S. Air Force Academy. He flew in combat in Southeast Asia, including 100 missions over North Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So this is the real General Ryan. Yes. Uh, yep. This is his only acting credit. So, yep. There you go. Well, he had his hands full with that one. I would imagine so. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I actually really appreciate that. That just shows how connected this show was to the U.S. Air Force, that mm-hmm. they were able to work this out and get that in there, um, and that he would play along with that and do that. And uh, uh, it was just a nice little touch there at the beginning of the episode, yeah. I thought. Uh, the original air date for Prodigy was February 2nd, 2001. Number one on the charts in the U.S. was It Wasn't Me by Shaggy, featuring Ricardo Rick Rock Ducent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that song. Uh, I, yeah, I, well, it, it will be playing in the background. Oh, okay. There okay. it was. All right. In the U.K., they were still listening to Rollin' by Limp Bizkit. Oh. 
Well, then we'll just keep going with uh, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. Okay. It wasn't me. So, in the box office, number one was The Wedding Planner. And, of course, The Wedding Planner is the one who can't say it wasn't me because they're the planner of the wedding. So whenever something goes wrong, they have to say, I'll fix it. Uh, Weddings always happen because people are in love. And when do you celebrate love but on Valentine's Day? So Valentine is number two. I have no idea if that has anything to do with actual the holiday or not. But... uh, after Valentine's Day, because so many people get frustrated with that, and oftentimes on the day before <laughs> Valentine's Day, that's when people get cast away, which is Ooh. number three. Oh. Uh, <laughs> which is just awful. It's a terrible Ouch. heartbreak when that happens. No kidding. Uh, and all that person wanted was to have the last dance saved for them, <laughs> which is number four, save the last dance. Yeah. And, uh, oh, okay. And uh, apparently, number five is Crouching Tiger Biden Dragon. Biden. <laughs> because autocorrect. Crouching Tiger Biden Dragon. <laughs> uh, suffice it to say, that is Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon. Rounds uh-huh. up the top five. <laughs> oh, that's awesome and hilarious. So. Oh. <sighs> okay, so what was happening at about this time? Yeah. Uh, not a whole lot. On January 29th, there was a protest in Indonesia. Thousands of students were protesting the parliament and demanding the president, uh, Abdurrahman uh, Wahid, to resign due to an alleged involvement in corruption scandals. Mm-hmm. So uh, I did not see here how that turned out for them. But they were protesting mm-hmm. on the 29th mm-hmm. of January that year. On February 4th, just a couple of days after this episode aired, the NFL Pro Bowl the at Aloha Stadium in Honolulu, Hawaii, uh, was played. The AFC beats the NFC 38-17, and the MVP was Rich Gannon, the Oakland Raiders quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, of course, since this episode aired on February 2nd, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that this was, in fact, the 2001 version of Groundhog Day. The groundhog saw its shadow on that day, and there were apparently six more weeks of winter in 2001. Uh-huh. Okay. So. There you go. Some trivia for this episode. Mm-hmm. So, while they were shooting this episode, Richard Dean Anderson actually asked uh, General Michael Ryan... So, do you really have Air Force colonels who act the way I do? And the colonel replies, or the the general replies, yep, and worse. Oh, Ah. boy. So, uh, the cadet, Jennifer Haley, uh, the original uh, character name was going to be Jennifer Holly. Um, Mm -hmm. But somewhere in the process, that got changed. And there was also a young woman who auditioned for the role of Jennifer Haley, whose actual name was Jen Holly. What? No way. Dead wow. serious. Wow. Uh, eventually, uh, Elizabeth Rosen uh, got this uh, part. Uh, however, Jennifer Holly, the actress, not the character, the actress, former character, um, does. Uh, come back in a future episode of Stargate. Uh, she does t- get a part in a future episode in, I think, gotcha. season five. So we'll see her name again later. Um, gotcha. Okay. There you go. Uh, this is, of course, I think I mentioned this to you uh, like at the end of our season two, or maybe it was the season three 
uh, or maybe it was just a special day that that the theme Stargate the theme song has lyrics, right? Yes. Uh, yes. Stargate. It's a great big world with a great big swirl that you step inside to another world. We're talking Stargate. It's a crazy trip. You can go quite far, and you don't need a car or even a ship. There's Colonel O'Neill and Carter and Daniel and Teal'c. Look out for that Gould. Wow. That was exceptional. That was almost Max Headroom-esque. With the g- 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 I don't know g- 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 if I could do that. That was great. I, I was impressed that I was able to do it. Suffice it to say, uh, this is the episode where Joseph Malozzi, Paul Mully, and Peter DeLuise on the commentary reveal that these lyrics exist. Uh-huh. So uh, as as the the comment the the show was playing and the the credits were rolling, they no. were singing this out loud and Sorry, quite badly. I might add, it's a big world with a great big swirl that you step inside to another world, etc. etc. Yes. So. You noticed that Michael Shanks, Dr. Jackson, does not appear in this episode. And I was mentioning yes. earlier that he was actually originally going to uh, direct this episode, which yeah. would actually make sense why he wasn't going to be in it. Yes. Uh, he does direct a future episode this season. So in a few episodes, we'll actually oh, see his yeah, name okay. as the director. Um, gotcha. But in this uh, episode, he's not in this episode uh, also because he was very busy trying to get all of his stuff done as director for that future episode. Gotcha. So, so he was doing okay. all that stuff while the rest of the cast was doing there. This marks the first episode of the series in which he does not appear. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, there is a uh, strong connection between the Air Force and the Stargate production team. Um, and SG-1 has a fairly rigid structure, so uh, and that relationship is such, and so the Air Force uh, does have the capacity to come and say, wait a second, wait, 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 that doesn't work that way. One mm-hmm. of the things would be in this episode, they originally uh, wanted uh, Haley to go AWOL, and uh, then Carter picks her up and then takes her through the gate and all of that stuff. But right. uh, they they absolutely nixed that one and saying, you know, if you can't do that, she'd be kicked out for sure. You you mm. would not, you know, you wouldn't be able to tell a story of, of this girl who who goes to this gate and finds this wonderful experience and come back and everything is fine. That's not going to happen. Yeah. So. Gotcha. So there you have it. I do have a few goofs that are kind of fun to talk about. Yeah. Um, so in this episode, uh Carter and Haley are entering into the Stargate to go from Earth to the moon. And Haley is on Carter's right as they walk Mm -hmm. into the gate. And then when they walk through the gate on the other side, Uh Haley is on her left. left. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Gosh. (laughs) Whoops. Whoops. Um, And then also... Um, while they're on the moon, there's a scene where you have the three scientists, Hamilton and Lee and Thompson, um, mm. and they're looking at the the floating uh, creatures, the the the, yes. the energy creatures, and they're filming it. And if you look carefully uh, behind them and in the background, uh, on the right of the screen, to the left of the the actors, you can actually see a minivan drive by through the trees. 
Okay. <laughs> uh, well, hey, you know, it was to pick up the little kids that absolutely. they were filming. <laughs> absolutely. It's kind of creep. Never mind. Anyway, yes. Yep. It was just um, a, was it a moon minivan. Yeah. It was an Astro van, Zach. Oh. It was an Astro van. <laughs> All right. So, uh, um, also, one more little bit of trivia here. As I was reading the uh, illustrated companion for this episode, uh, Brad Wright was talking about this is designed to be one of those episodes that was uh, supposed to be relatively cheap. And so you do this relatively uh, yeah. cheap episode so that you can do more expensive things. Uh, however, those little bugs flying around light, dots of light was mm. not a cheap effect. And uh, so huh. it, they were frustrated that uh, this did not end up being the, the inexpensive episode that they were going for. And if they had realized, uh, this episode may not have existed. Uh, oh, for interesting. That. Um, huh. But uh, there you go. Uh, you know, this those, ep- those little bits, like that one I find especially interesting because I'm not in television production, so it's totally me being a backseat driver. But like, like how expensive is it to rotoscope? Like, all you, you got your actors looking around, and then you just, I don't know, you just draw little draw little dots on your film? I don't know, maybe not. Okay, yes. Well, I mean, on some level, though, you've got to get... I mean, probably a single dot was probably relatively inexpensive, but to get the swarm, yeah, the swarm. to move properly yeah. uh, and to be affected by the the kawoosh and all those types of things probably got yeah, really expensive. Sure. Uh, and I'll say, tell you this, um, uh, a lot of that expense is just going to be manpower. You know, just, just the, the visual effects guys who are doing the work. Yeah, I've been doing a lot right. of video editing uh, at the church uh, for some projects that are coming up um, because we're not doing in-person worship right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tell you right now, uh, it is just just editing video is a pain in the butt. I'm enjoying mm-hmm. it. I'm having fun. But boy, is it a pain in the butt. Sure. And we were doing some filming outside the other day, and the wind was enough that we couldn't get a candle to stay lit. And they're like, you can fix that in post, right? And I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's it's one thing to cut out a hiccup in post. It is a completely different thing to include a flame in post. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the software that I have could probably do something like that but it would still look like it was a visual effect and not an actual yes. flame yes um yeah. especially given the amount of time that i would be spending to make that happen right. um and the camera moves a little bit here and there and then you'd have to have you'd that have to, can yeah. that flame track that and oh, oh boy yeah. no thanks no thanks so we'll just not have a candle that's lit which is fine we'll just pretend we'll just pretend yeah uh, when you look at the title for this episode in other languages most of them call oh, yeah. it prodigy uh, the Czechs call it Miracle Child, which is basically their word of saying prodigy. Oh, I get it. Uh, yep. The Germans say Das Wunder, uh, which is the miracle. And mm. I can't remember enough of my German because, let's be honest, my German stinks. And I only took high school German, really. So, uh, But I have a sneaking suspicion that the German is operating there. It's not so much... Uh, the miracle, as it would be translated, the one who is the miracle, or as in the Czech thing, like the the miracle child. Well, I suspect that that's what they're doing. I think so. Um, 
those who speak German natively, let me know. Um, I think Wunderkind is the is it would be the equivalent of prodigy in the same way that the Checker saying it's the mm. miracle child. Well, like because you know. I think I remember hearing um, uh, Amadeus Mozart, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, described as a Wunderkind, which was implying you know he was he was a prodigy. Like you know what I mean? Like that 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 it was used in the exact same way. Yeah. But this is me just supposing and recollecting and. Well, there are lots Not of possibilities. So if you yes. know the answer, let us know. Uh, yes, please. Yep. Okay. Shall we uh, dig into the synopsis? Yes. Okay. Let's do it. Here we go. Now, Brent, when you walk yep. into your boss's office to complain, make sure your boss's boss isn't already there. <laughs> He does just kind of walk in, yeah. 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 <laughs> Unfortunately, Jack isn't always good at following the rules. Barging into Hammond's office to discuss, yeah, we'll call it discuss, his mission to M4C862. Jack realizes that General Ryan, yes, the General Ryan, the Chief of Staff of the Air Force, is already there. Jack and Teal get to go on a babysitting duty uh, to a potential long-term off-world mission site where Daniel is, while Daniel is on mission with SG-11 and Sam is giving a lecture at the Air Force Academy. So, Jack, if you want to give that lecture at the Air Force Academy on things like, you know, astrophysics and stuff, uh, you go right ahead. (laughs) So... At the Academy, Major Carter is impressed with Cadet Jennifer Haley. Haley is probably too smart for her own good and finds even the Air Force Academy academically boring, which gets her in trouble far too often. But she's also brilliant and has precisely the kind of mind that Carter wants to have in the SGC. I mean, anyone who can process a giant whiteboard full of some giant crazy equation and recognize that there's a mistake between a plus and a minus is probably someone who could compete with Carter's brain. The Major discusses the prospects of Cadet Haley with both her professor, Professor Monroe, and the Dean of the Academy, General Kerrigan. I'm not certain if it's actually the right Dean is the right word, but I couldn't remember what it was, so I just tossed it in there. So, Dean. Dean. So, when O'Neill and Teal'c arrive at the science station on M4C862, by the way, M4C is a moon, not a planet, Major Griff is all too happy oh. to pass military command of this mission to O'Neill. The scientists are cocky and show little regard to the place of the military in this endeavor. O'Neill asserts his authority by requiring new regions be explored by himself and Teal'c as they go looking for threats before the scientists can get their chance to do their work. This irritates to no end the lead scientist, Dr. Hamilton. Disappointed, though, that they didn't find any dangers in the cave, O'Neill and Teal'c return to base camp to give Dr. Hamilton and his team okay to go visit the cave. However, on the way, they discover a new phenomenon. An energy-based life form? Kind of like a lightning bug bug that flies around them and even zips through trees, not slowing down a bit. As they report their findings, the base camp is also visited by one of these energy creatures. The scientists' curiosity lead them to capture one in an electromagnetic field for study. Back on Earth, Haley finds herself on the precipice of expulsion after punching an upperclassman in the face and breaking his nose. 
Now, she was defending another classman, but this insubordination really is the last straw. That said, Haley has an advocate. Perhaps one she doesn't want, but an advocate nonetheless. Carter speaks to General Kerrigan and convinces him not to expel Cadet Haley. And yet, despite this reprieve, Haley still doesn't see the great future for herself that Carter sees for her. So there's only one solution. Take an insubordinate cadet with authority issues into one of the most secure and secret bases on the planet to show her an alien piece of technology that is way beyond classified. What could go wrong? Nothing. Nothing is going to go wrong. Well, okay, we're only halfway through the episode and we haven't figured out what those energy bug things are doing or what they are or anything like that. But And there's certainly going to be a problem with it. But, but as for this cadet and the Stargate, we're, we're perfectly fine. <laughs> now, we do see how much Hammond trusts Major Carter when he doesn't really challenge her decision to show Cadet Haley the Stargate at all. He's like, are you sure? She's like, yes. And he's like, okay. Okay, then. So, in you go. Her eyes, that is to say Haley's eyes, get huge as the two women walk fully geared up into the gate room. What is it? It's your future. It's called yeah. a Stargate. Yeah! This is when you say, Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate, I'm Brent. Oh, oh okay, okay. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate, I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. And, oh, and wait, wait, is... wait, wait. Oh, oh, sorry. They step through <laughs> the event horizon and end up on M4C862, where O'Neill greets them. Back at the base camp, the scientists are studying the energy creature. Haley thinks this creature is super cool. Carter suggests that it might not appreciate being locked up. O'Neill orders Dr. Hamilton to release the creature and find another way to study the creatures. Dr. Thompson and Dr. Lee head out into the forest to seek out the creatures and study them in their natural habitat, which looks remarkably like Vancouver. Yep. Unfortunately, Dr. Thompson is attacked and killed as hundreds of these energy bugs zip through him over and over again. Dr. Lee looks on in fright and bolts for the base camp, crying out for O'Neill to help, help. As Thompson reaches out his hand and dies. When Tilk and O'Neill investigate, they find the dead body of Dr. Tom Thompson. And with a threat clearly visible and no obvious defense, O'Neill orders everyone to evacuate through the gate. But when he returns to gather the group, they seem to be moving not near fast enough. He shoos them all through the door and toward the gate, but they're stopped by a swarm coming towards them. O'Neill turns his group around and leads them back inside the building. Carter, any suggestions? Uh, I don't know, Zats, maybe? Maybe? So they pull out the Zatnikatels and hope to defend their position. The swarm comes. Some of them attack Dr. Hamilton, but when Tilk zaps him with his Zat gun, the creatures immediately flee away. The first wave has been defended. Carter suggests that they send an electrical current through the aluminum walls of the building to create a, an electric shield for them. It works. So long as there's power, they are safe. But when will the power run out? Could be minutes. Could be hours. We don't know. O'Neill asks for suggestions on what to do next. Carter posits that they are responding to the creature, uh, that they are responding to the capture of one of their own. 
And so they're being aggressive because of that. They didn't like that. Haley, on the other hand, believes that they're just responding to the magnetic pole of the gas giant that they are orbiting. Give it a couple of hours, they'll move past the pole, and the creatures will turn to normal. Their hypotheses clash. If Carter is right, waiting around is only going to make the creatures matter. If Haley is right, O'Neill's plan is foolhardy, risking his life for nothing. Now, there isn't enough evidence to determine which is correct, but then again, despite what Carter says, they're not exactly mutually exclusive either. Oh, uh, what's O'Neill's plan, you ask? Okay, so, if a Zat shot repelled the energy creatures, then all we need to do is shoot O'Neill with a Zat gun and have him run to the Stargate and open it before the energy field from the Zat gun dissipates. Once the gate is open, it will provide a really strong electromagnetic field, and it will repel all the energy creatures, giving them a safe path to get home. Huzzah! Huzzah! In the end, though, it doesn't matter which hypothesis is right. As Carter notes to Haley, if he acts now and goes to the gate, he risks his own life. If he does nothing, he risks everything. everyone's life. That is an easy choice for a commander. Tilk prepares to shoot O'Neill on a count of three. One. I said three. <laughs> O'Neill runs to the gate. The plan is working. He begins to dial far slower than he ought to be dialing. I'm thinking that he just can't remember what the address is because, you know, he never has to dial. Usually that's Daniel's job. And Daniel's not there. One. Two. Three. But before he can finish dialing, the protection from the Zet Blast wears off, and the energy bugs attack. I told you you should have dialed faster. As the swarm yeah. begins to overwhelm the colonel, another Zet Blast hits the ground near O'Neill, flinging the creatures away from him. Tilk is there to assist the colonel. <sighs> O'Neill finishes dialing as the gate opens up, and the whole region becomes an energy bug-free zone. <laughs> Dr. Lee thanks O'Neill for saving them. Dr. Hamilton apologizes to O'Neill for not respecting his position and perspective. Everyone is able to go home safely, and Cadet Haley now has a taste of this wonderful future that Carter envisions for her. The end. The end. So, Brent. Yep. Prodigy. What'd you think? I liked I liked parts of it. I did. I liked I liked a good amount of parts of it. And then, and then there were parts that were just like uh, they were okay. I thought they would have been better. So I thought that um, I would uh, like the character of Cadet Haley more than I ended up liking her. I really wanted to like her. I really wanted to be like, yeah, like this place is just dumb and she's smarter than this and she's going to be just a genius. And, and they kind of kept her in the brat stage, the, pretty much the, the entire episode. And though it certainly was attempting to show that she is an extraordinarily intelligent person, they just kind of kept bouncing off the side of pedantic just a few too many times. Like it was okay, but it, 
I was watching it and I was ho- I was kind of wishing that it was done a little bit differently to show us some other way that this person is an extraordinarily uh, bright and excellent uh, candidate for the Stargate program at some future point. But fine, whatever. We'll, I'll, I'll set that one aside. But that that was one of the things where I was like, eh, I, I, I was hoping to like her a little bit more than I ended up liking her. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not to say that I hated her. It was just it, it just wasn't quite. I was disappointed. That's probably the better way to say it. Um, the story itself, um, I mean, because of the title, the A story is Carter, uh, Carter and Haley, you know, do a thing, right? Um, and the A story then intersects with the B story pretty hard there, uh, of uh, you know, scientists. Uh, sci- yeah, <laughs> obnoxious scientists and the bugs they study. Um, like, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> so, and so that B story was, it was fine. It was fine. Um, I, I just wasn't really jamming on. I guess it was really that I was really I wasn't really jamming on the attitudes that were being thrown about by the characters on this one. And not to say that I have to have a story where there's no attitude, but it was just one of those things where I was like, I don't know. I'm just not, I'm not exactly like mad at the scientists for being dorks. Mm-hmm. Wrong word. I mean, like, you know, I meant to say I'm not mad at the scientists for being uh, just obtuse is really what I, what I meant. Um, and I'm not mad at Haley for being, uh, uh, for, for being a little petulant. Um, but it is a little bit eye rolling. Uh, it would have been a bit more uh, fun for me if the scientists were uh, a bit more uh, dedicated and not dismissive. If they're if they were driven to research these things and not uh, uh, and and or at least the character of Hamilton, uh, you know, if if it was shown that he was just he was just dogmatic with it. Uh, I'm not. I'm really not trying to find as many D words as I can to describe this. It just is happening this way. Um, but uh, you know, it would have been. It would have been uh, uh, better if I think it would have been better if it, if it was shown that uh, the reason that he was just not letting go of this thing uh, was because of an insatiable curiosity rather than a power trip, um, or at least it felt like a power trip. I think it was supposed to read like a power trip. Uh, and then you get Haley and, you know, just, she's just, uh, you know, a little better than a teenager, uh, which makes sense. I mean, that's about how old her character would be is a little, little, little better than a teenager. And, um, but, but instead of kind of coming at it in the angle of, um, she had so much hubris um i don't need her to be i don't need her to be humble but what's my what's my problem with her my problem is that the character should have been um stunned into a bit more humility i think if if you think your entire life is going to be uh driven by the petty uh, calculations of aerodynamic torque, and then you are suddenly, without warning, shown that uh, that your career path has the possibility to include uh, extraterrestrial research and scientific advancement. Um, 
I I would have I would have hoped that the character would have been uh, uh, subdued a bit more than to uh, stand there arguing with a major about whether or not these lightning bugs are going to get, you know get submissive uh, just as soon as they're through a magnetic pole, which by the way was a real like weak sauce like. Um, it was fine enough, but it was definitely a moment in like you know they were just trying to co- to, to create a, a, what looked like an inherent. Um, well, they were trying to create a mutually exclusive problem, which indeed was not mutually exclusive. But they were just mm-hmm. trying to do it to drive plot, and so it just kind of ends up in this weird little moment of like kid, kid, hey kid, you're a kid, like you're a really, really, really smart kid, but you can't hold a candle to major carter right now you might eventually blow the socks off of major carter you might make major carter look like a dimwit but right right now you're not not this very second and so it was just a little it just came off weird and so uh once again though watching the actors play their characters it's just continuing to still be quite delightful i really am enjoying it uh you know uh, especially the dynamic between tilk and o'neill uh especially especially as in you know with that one little scene where <laughs> I am going to shoot you now. Yes. I know. <laughs> well, let's just have like a countdown at least. So one. It was great. It was great. And then, you know, just watching the characters do their thing was great. And, you know, the, 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 the world itself was really cool. Um, you know, the moon, you know, look at the, look at the gas giant, you know, through the, through the atmosphere. It was, it was, it was fun. Yes. This the show is fun. Mm-hmm. And this one little episode just kind of, I felt was trying to do a two step and ended up waltzing. And so it just kind of was like, Oh, well, yeah, well, it'll be right on the six beat again. Uh, what'd you think? So, you know, I, I I hear what you're saying with all of these these uh, little pieces here, and I don't disagree with any of them. Um, well, I don't think like if if uh, Haley was as brilliant and as petulant as she was early on in the episode, mm-hmm. just seeing the Stargate and walking through is not going to change her enough. Uh, to not make her be equally petulant when it came time to say, no, it's the electromagnetic stuff and not the other stuff. Um, you know, so that that I'd push back a little bit on from what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, the intent of this episode from the writers and such was to create a mini Carter. And your, right. your description of not quite liking her as much as you wanted to um, actually kind of fits a lot of what they were saying. Um. Uh, 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 Joseph Malozzi says uh, uh, Jennifer Haley was originally conceived as a younger version of Carter, but in the end came across as pet- petulant and unlikable. Yeah, uh, he actually calls it without a doubt our weakest script of the fourth season. I don't think that's mm-hmm. true. I um, would disagree with that about the weakest of the fo- of the season, but right. Yeah. Um. So. For me, you know, I I think overall I enjoy the episode. Um, I do think that they probably bit off more than they could chew in because you mm. basically have an A and an A prime story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't yeah, really yeah. have an A story and a B story. Um, one of the things that they were trying to do is we've seen in several other episodes this season where 
O'Neill playing the role of the military guy turns out to be wrong. Uh, yeah. You saw this in Scorched Earth, and there were a couple others this season. And so this was an episode where um, they could go back and say, here's a moment where you see O'Neill and that military perspective actually being right. Yes. Um, which then meant that uh, Hamilton becomes the foil to show that, which makes him kind of a two-dimensional character, which is mm-hmm. unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, and as for Thompson and Lee at this point in time, well, we'll get to know Lee a lot more as the series progresses, which is wonderful. Good. Um, yep. um, we don't, you know, Thompson's dead. Both of those characters in this episode were background two-dimensional characters, so they weren't even front-ground yes. two-dimensional characters, um, which is fine, but it's also a little bit uh, cheap in some ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to have seen um, more, because I think that... that uh, I mean, there there was a push against the authority of the military um, because he was promised to be in charge, and then he didn't feel like he was in charge. Now, that's a legitimate mm-hmm. complaint, um, potentially, um, depending on what he was actually promised. Um, right, right. But, uh, and, and so on that regard, um, he did see genuinely, seem re- genuinely curious about this creature, and so he was had it in his little box, and he was studying it. Um, which struck me as a little bit fast, you know. I mean, you don't just. Well, I don't know. Maybe yeah, not. Agreed. Maybe not. Uh, yeah, uh, I sure. Mean, we but, would. Right. We would go if like. Oh, I just found a new bug. Um, I'd capture one and I'd stick it in my little box and I'd look at it in my lab. And so, you know, that's basically what he was doing there. So maybe that's not right. quite so fast as as what I might regionally think. Um, um, you know the the fight between Haley and Carter about, you know, who's right and who's wrong, um, they aren't as mutually exclusive as they said. Right. Um, you know, you could, you know, the the magnetic fields may have actually done something to them, or it may not have. Um, they are correct that, that either way, we don't know enough to know what's going on. So uh, yes. you could have tightened that writing up. You know, says, well, you know, whether it's this or that, it could be this, it could be that, it could be a combination. It doesn't matter. We don't know. What we know is that they are aggressive right now, and our only protection is moments away from going away. If Haley's right and they'll be back to normal, then we're fine. But if she's not, then we've got problems. Yeah, that's um, a great that's a great uh, read. So all they of that is, is is right on. But some of the little bits in there um, are are uh, not quite so tight and tidy as they could be. Uh, so, you know, I like the episode. I actually like Haley. I kind of like the the petulance there. Um, if it was much more than that, um, and if we see her again, I would not want that same petulance uh, to the same degree. Um, but... Uh, you know, so that that's um, that's kind of where I'm at on her. It, I, I'm also being pretty careful in thinking through, um, just kind of acknowledging like my own biases when taking a look at this one. Like, if it were some like you know, uh. Crackerjack, uh, tall, square-jawed uh, 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 cadet, you know, uh, 
would I be thinking differently about like that character's his like his his confidence versus um you know a a, a you know small scowling um you know junior woman cadet I don't think necessarily that I would be thinking differently I'm but I'm at, but I'm at least thinking to myself like I'd really want to make sure that I'm not reacting to a moment of of like you know um you know women need to be considerate or something stupid like that like you know no like I want to make sure that I'm actually like what I, what I'm really kind of chafing at is that like it's 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 the um it's the opportunity for wonderment that seemed to have been present mid episode and then evaporated at the end. And I think you were onto something when you were uh, talking about that, that standoff moment, the standoff moment turned into a moment where uh, a character who we don't know and who um, Carter believes is going to be magnificent operative word though, going to be, well, that's more than one word. Um, where we have a character who is just lipping off and we have a character who we know and we love and we know for a fact that that she knows how to swiftly analyze a problem and swiftly determine a solution and in some cases do so with very, very little starting knowledge. Like, there are... There are so many examples where Samantha Carter is able to take the situation, understand it properly, and implement a solution that saves their t- saves the team, saves the day, saves a planet. You know, what I mean, like like right. her prowess is undeniable. And you actually and see so, that in this episode early on when she's like, um, Zats, maybe. Yeah, you know, sure, exactly. You know, yeah. she's like, well, <clears throat> look, I've been here two minutes and I don't know the situation, yeah. but. What I have been told, then, well, Zats give off electrical charges. Yeah. Maybe that'll work. Yeah. Um, yeah. And but instead, right? So 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 we have this moment here. So we get we get the, we get the kid and the and and the veteran. We know the veteran. We love the veteran. The veteran is saying, "Yeah, uh, it's because we harassed them." And you get the kid coming in, going, "No, it's not. It's because we're in a highly eccentric orbit from these observations that I just saw in the notebook over here. Because of those great blah 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 blah. You guys should have seen it, idiots." And it's like, okay, I have been watching Samantha Carter for far too long to suddenly switch sides here, kiddo. So, um, so that's where I started to chafe with the thing. But yeah. Zach, as you were alluding, if it were rewritten, if it were written to say. I think it's, you know, if Samantha was saying, I think it's because we harassed one of the life forms. And uh, Jen was saying, I think it's because we're in this weird orbit. And they look at each other and they both recognize they can't know. There's no way in the time that they have right now to be able to test and understand. And so in that moment, while both theories are valid, they have to make a choice based off of this other parameter. Bringing on back to the reason why yeah. O'Neill is going to choose to side with Carter because that one is the safest assumption. So, Get everybody away. I don't away. think that Haley at this point in time has the capacity for that process. She has been so far ahead of everyone else. I mean, she is operating in the classroom um, at the level of her professor at least. 
uh, and certainly against her peers. So she's walking into this situation assuming that she's just smarter than everybody else. But she learns a major lesson here. She learns the lesson. This is something that, that, that Haley didn't know before. She learns the lesson that sometimes what matters is not whether you're right or wrong, but how you need to respond to the situation. Uh, you know, there, there's, there's that quality to it. You know, when Carter says, look, if he does this, then he's mm-hmm. doing this. If he does that, then he's doing this other thing and he can't do that. Uh, that's the lesson that she learns. And she wouldn't have learned it because uh, until that point. Um, because she was under the impression that her perspective was right. She asked the question, how could it matter if who's right? You know, how, What do you mean it doesn't matter who's right? If I'm right, then I'm right, and then we can do this. Uh, and yet there is a different perspective. You know, you have to take that 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 gem and turn it around and look at it from a different angle to see how the light refracts from a different perspective in order to get the complete picture and mm-hmm. that's something that Carter is able to do and she takes that moment to teach Haley that lesson and I think that at that point in time Haley begins to recognize it um, because she's like whoa I have never seen it like that now uh, the dialogue prior to that is, you know, could have been cleaned up, but I don't think that Haley would have been able to, uh, at this point in time, uh, been able to to make that that cognitive process. Oh, well, okay, so that could be true, and this could be true. Uh, there could be a mix of both. Frankly, in this episode, as it's written, Carter doesn't come up with that either, so you can't right. blame uh, Haley for it. Carter should have. Uh, you could argue that, uh, but that's the writing uh, on that right. front. Uh, so, so you've got that give or play, give or take there. Um, if the writing had been cleaned up, I think uh, you would have been able to show her uh, uh, intelligence and her the capacity that she is. You know, at most she's twenty one years old. Haley is right. Right. Um, and 21-year-olds think they know everything. Oh, yeah. I did I was when I 21. was 21. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know? <laughs> suffice it to say, I'm a lot older than 21. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And suffice it to say, I have learned, no, I don't, I don't know everything. Uh, I have learned <laughs> Far that, from a, it. I didn't know everything at 21. Yep. I still don't know everything. I know more than I did at 21. I know so, I've forgotten some things that I knew back then. Um, uh, but... Uh, you know, the capacity to look at things from a different perspective is certainly a, a skill that I have learned uh, over the decades uh, since 21. Um, I think if I look back, I could be honest enough to say that I began some of that multi-perspective looking prior to 21. But yeah, it wasn't fleshed out at 21 even. Mm-mm. So, you know, there's something that she can learn there. And they show that, but there's also some problems with that situation. That That's... There you go. I think if uh, we had dropped the the um, if we had dropped the story of the scientists and we just stuck with um, with Carter and with Haley and we could have them come onto the moon with like 10 minutes left and get completely caught up with the lightning bug story. 
Mm-hmm. And if that were to happen, I think we would have given ourselves more runway to allow the character of Haley to go through a bit more of that growing process. Because as it stands, because you're right. I mean, as you as you break it down and you kind of step it through, uh, I can absolutely see that that's what they were aiming at. But the problem is, is that we had two minutes of an argument in front of a chalkboard, 30 seconds of a decision making, a five second wrap up and maybe a second of screen time of a realization on her face. And then, yeah, yeah then you get yeah. your wrap up, but your wrap up is your wrap up. Like you're supposed to wrap it up. Um, and, and that's not enough time for me, the viewer to go, Oh, Oh, she's, she's getting, I get it now. I see she's learning. I see it now. What? Um, what are, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. Yeah. I mean, that was really it. It's like, you know, if you give me a bit more time, if you set it up right. a little bit longer, you, if you let it pay off a little harder, then I'm right there. Then now Haley is not quite so twerpish. She's now a person who's growing. Um, right. But we accelerated that story in order to tell the other story, which is scientists can be jerks sometimes, can't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that if we had seen that moment of learning that, oh, you can actually look at things from a different perspective, mm-hmm. uh, like halfway through the episode. And then you get to the situation where it is flung into her face in a real oh, life, yeah, yeah, a non-theoretical yeah. world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then all of a sudden she's like connecting the dots. That would yeah. have been a little bit more satisfying. You would have been yep. careful there because then you would have you you run the risk of going bonk bonk on the head, and that's not good storytelling. Um, True. But that type of character growth, if you could see those elements, and so that when you get to the climax of the story, uh, and if the a story is about this prodigy that climaxes when she realizes that the way she looks at the world uh, is not always the right way. That's the climax of the story. Uh, you know, it's not an adventure story, so it's not really a very exciting story in that regard. Um, but, I mean, uh, but you could, I think you could. So if you were to strip away, so we spent what? What did we spend? 15 screen minutes? Running around with scientists catching fireflies? Something yeah, like that. Probably about that. Um, if you spent just about that that entire time instead uh, setting up this development as as you're talking about, go ahead and come up with a scene at the academy where Carter is given an opportunity to say the lesson. So I'm immediately thinking, I'm switching gears just a tad, but I'm immediately thinking about absolute power. Where the lesson was stated plain as day by the kid at the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was repeated word for word at the end of the episode. And that was done on purpose. I thought that was pretty darn good storytelling. Um, you could do something very similar here. You can say the lesson plain as day in the Academy, maybe give an opportunity where you can kind of see the gears turning inside Haley's head. But but that's okay. You don't need her to be convinced in this moment. And you certainly don't need her to roll her eyes and pretend like she doesn't care. Like, just just give us, just throw us a bone here. We're not inside her head. You gotta communicate what she's thinking. Yep. So let it, let, let us, the viewer, get a little hook in there. And then later, create a situation where that lesson is coming to bear. Like, this is the moment where... That earlier lesson is repeated, and here we are in a real-life situation where Haley is is dropping to her instincts of, I'm the smartest person in the room, and I'm the only one who knows what's going on, and then remembers the lesson, grows from it. We could watch it happen in 90 seconds, and the team is saved because of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That would be, I think that would be very satisfying. So I, I was just realizing. Even, 
Okay, go ahead. Okay, I was just thinking. I, I was just realizing that that I think they they attempted to do that in this episode when sure. Carter and Haley were by the laser. Um, and they were talking about wormholes and that paper. And she's like, well, for instance, you just assume that wormholes go both ways. How do you know? You're making an assumption. You get that there, but it doesn't yeah. play. Uh, right. I mean, I that's a good that. scene. Yeah. I like that scene. I wouldn't change that scene. Um, but that by itself isn't enough to help help the character of Haley to actually make that that uh, change in perspective later mm-hmm. on that we're hoping for. Mm-hmm. I would aim at either the scene with General Kerrigan when she's about to be expelled and then isn't, or the scene right after that when they're in the museum, uh, wherever they're at, and she's like, I don't see this thing. I've been compared to you my entire life, and I hate it, blah, blah, blah. You know, right. those are two scenes. Or perhaps uh, trim some of that stuff up as well as some of the other stuff, and then add a scene... Um, after she sees the Stargate and witnesses that experience uh, and before the stuff hits the fan. Yeah. So those are the moments where you need... I think they needed one more step to make that connection. I agree. I, and, I, and I'm also realizing, I think you could have a real satisfying one-two punch on this one. If in the, in the resolution of the problem at the very end of the episode... Uh, if what happens is that Haley makes an assumption, we come back to the core lesson, we can see Haley kind of seeing the forest for the trees, we get a nice satisfying moment of, of character growth, but then you kind of pivot and maybe get, maybe again, we're talking about throwing bones here, but maybe throw her a bone where she suddenly has a flash of insight that actually creates the solution to the problem of some kind. I'm not sure what, but the point is that I'm driving at mm-hmm. is that, in the chalkboard scene, both Haley is making an assumption that she's perfectly correct, and so is Carter. The biggest difference being that in Carter's scenario, if Carter is right, then O'Neill is right. We got to get out of here. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. That, that, that core lesson is still very, very true. In this particular situation, there is no um, difficulty in which choice is correct, because one choice is... Maybe we will all be fine, and the uh, uh, maybe we will all be fine. Maybe we will all get killed, or maybe one guy will be fine. Maybe one guy will get killed. Well, and also, if you do nothing and you risk everybody's life, and it turns out that Haley is wrong, then right. everybody's probably going to die. Right. Um, if you do something, a what they're planning on doing, it might be a different situation if the plan was, okay, so I've got this capacity that I'm going to go and try to capture all of the beings and shove them into a little box and I'm going to hold them there forever and then we'll be safe. That would be a different issue. But the plan is, okay, I'm going to go and light up the Stargate and that's going to provide a bubble to protect us all so that we can become safe. We can get to safety. Yeah. So yeah. it's not about harming the, the others. It's about bringing safety to this group of people. And in that situation, it ceases to be an issue of who's right and who's wrong. But right. how do you ensure the safety of yes. people? Um, right. Which is uh, actually that fits in nicely with uh, O'Neill's argument from the very beginning with the scientists, which is, look, I'm here to ensure the safety of the people, which means I'm going to go check out that cave before I'm going to let you into that cave. Why? Mm -hmm. Because if there's a big scary monster in there, 
I am much more capable of dealing with it than you are. And that's not saying you're bad or wrong. That's just, sure. those are my skills. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so tying the A and B or the A and the A prime story together didn't go as tightly as it could have been in this episode. But there are ties there. Yeah, and, I just think that we could have been brought along on the, uh, I'll use the lightning bugs as A prime. Um, I, I think we could have been brought along um, far enough on our A prime story by spending far less time in it. Sure. Uh, you, we would not have had an opportunity to see the scientists, et cetera, et cetera. We would not have had as much exposition about the lightning bugs, but that's okay. I'm willing to uh, believe my characters when I just get tossed in with very little information. And yeah, we're here researching. Oh my God, lightning bugs. Oh, we're dying. I mean, like maybe not, maybe, maybe as I say that out loud, I'm, well, you know, two parter. You, you should have been a two parter. You, you could have um, increased the the danger of the lightning bugs faster. Um, yeah. And if there you, you had done that, then you have then you're following Carter and Haley, and when they enter the situation, they're entering into a situation that is already rife with peril. Yes. I mean, where currently they just walk in and everything is just ship shaped, no problems. Um, and then the stuff hits the fan. So if they'd walked into a situation that was already rife with peril, you would have been able to speed up that the, the creation of the peril faster and then spend more time with developing the <laughs> Haley character later. Maybe just a little bit of peril. Nope, no peril for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, I think, Brent that we should probably move on to our chevrons. Yeah. Uh, we've chewed on this one pretty well. So yeah, I ask I you, uh, mm -hmm. how many chevrons would you give Prodigy? I'm glad we had the conversation. I'm feeling a little better about it overall. Um, I wasn't really going to pan it that hard. Um, the, the missteps, I think, are still meaningful. I think they're meaningful for me. I'm going to give this one four out of seven. Better than halfway. Um... Pretty all right. I mean, it was all right. It's just that the things that were annoying me were kind of really annoying me. And I think that they could have been done better. So, four. Yeah. How about you? Um, you know, I, I couldn't agree more with your final assessment. Uh, I was thinking, what's the number for this? And this is a four. It's it's better than halfway. Um, you know, but it's not wondrous. Uh, right. You know, I enjoy the episode, but I don't love the episode. There's mm -hmm. a lot of good things with the episode, but there are things that it does fall down on. Yeah. Um, and actually, this conversation really helped me to parse that out, and because I've never done that to really think about what's what's good and what's bad about this episode. Sure. And this yeah. does that, and now I have a better picture of that. And so this is a four episode for me. Yeah. Shall we then dig into yes. our predictions? <laughs> Yay! Yes. All right. Let's do it. All right. So we will start with Facebook. Hi, Facebook. Wait, no, that's not a person. Well, okay. If, if that's what you want to do, you go right ahead. So. <laughs> Believe you me. If I ha The fewer times I have to say hi to Facebook, the better. Hey-o. Ho. Wow. That's just rude. No, it's not. It's spicy. Oh, okay. Well. It's hot takes. I am. Flaming hot analysis. Why am I not? Why are you not loading Facebook? Oh, because it hates you. Uh, it doesn't actually like you, Zach. Oh, hush. 
Don't, don't piss <laughs> off the Facebook gods. <laughs> All you are is a meat bag of information for them. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. We've got a lot of comments here, Brent. Oh, really? Yeah. So, okay. Okay. So, Anna says. Hi, Anna. This one has always been a favorite of mine. Okay. It introduces some characters we see again, and I like watching the Carter and Cadet Haley interaction. I have no clue what you'll both give it, but I'm going to guess six chevrons for both Zach and Brent, and a seven from her. Okay. Ah. Interesting. So, uh, you know, I wonder if, um, I wonder how many people identify with Cadet Haley. That's I bet you it's question. a lot. That's a good question. I bet you it's a lot. Yeah, Anna, give us more information, please. I, I'd love to know mm-hmm. what what is it that you really what just draws you into this episode. Uh, mm-hmm. That that's pretty exciting. I'd love to hear that. Uh, Julie says, "Hi, Julie. Not an amazing episode, but not terrible either. I think Zach and Brent both had a five. Oh, close. Pretty close. Very close. Yep. All right, we've got Ed. Hi, Ed." Ed, Ed's written lots of things to us via email, and we've actually uh, shared some of his thoughts on the the, the podcast oh, before. So he wrote it. I think I think I owe a response. Don't I owe uh, whatever? Yeah, I, there's a I lengthy email that he wrote to us that 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 probably you need to respond to. Just um, <laughs> <laughs> see how I, I pass that out. one off. Hey, I've been busy. <laughs> All right. Anyway. All right. Hi, Ed. Ed says I hate this one. Oh boy. Uh. So. So ply be. Because I think there's a typo in here. Because of the the cadet's attitude, the rest of the episode yeah. is fine, I guess. But every time I watch it, I want to break the cadet's nose. Oh no! <laughs> uh, Ed does not give any predictions for us, but there you go. I think you can read between the lines on you that can, one. You can. You can. Uh, Evan says. Hi, Evan. Uh, I didn't like this one because it rather broke my suspension of disbelief that a rebellious cadet would be allowed to see the top secret Stargate program. It, it was. It, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, I would agree with that, Evan. Um, you gotta, you really, you do have to put a pin in that and, and just let that one fly. And if you get stuck on that, uh, well, then, then you're going to be stuck. Yeah, then you're going to no be question. stuck. There's, there's nothing to do about that. Yep. All right. We've got, uh, uh, Jacqueline. Hi, Jacqueline. She says, as I started typing my predictions, I realized I probably should have emailed you guys this week as opposed to taking to Facebook because I really, really like this episode and can talk about it for hours. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh, boy. Oh, mm-hmm. she does. She goes on. Let's go ahead. Here we go. Okay. She says, a lot of the enjoyment for, again, for this, again, rests on how the characters bounce off the rest of the cast throughout the episode, mm-hmm. like O'Neill versus the scientists and Sam Jack with Haley. I also mm-hmm. like that it presents a different side to Sam. Amanda Tapping plays mm-hmm. the role brilliantly as she portrays a character that is clearly proud of her achievements and career, but isn't arrogant or boastful about it either. It's also interesting that she seems willing to risk her standing within the SGC and in the eyes of General Hammond by giving the troublesome Haley a chance to go mm-hmm. through the gate. I like the character of Haley, even though she did come across as petulant at times, but there are good qualities to be found too. Like mm-hmm. when she defended a fellow cadet. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a... Uh, I'd also Agreed. say the audio commentary for this episode is top-notch. Mm-hmm. I think Zach okay. will give Prodigy five chevrons, and Brent will score it six chevrons. Yeah, no, I I was less forgiving. That is for dang sure. Yep. 
but I'm glad for the perspective though. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, Jack says, I'll give it a quick rewatch and dazzle you with my insight questions and predictions. And I don't know if he has done a quick rewatch yet, but he hasn't responded (laughs) anything more than that. So thanks Jack. I wait. I look forward to that. It might be on an email that I haven't opened up yet. Sure. Who knows? Justin says, hi, Justin scientists on the moon are cheesy. Jack Teal care solid. Uh, Cadet is pouty. Professors are stodgy. Harumph, harumph. Sam has some decent scenes (laughs) facing her younger evil twin. Zach, five and a half chevrons. Brent, four. Oh! So there you go. It's a good character piece, he says. But I think uh, it seems to move forward, but nothing seems to move forward except for the security breach, which NDAs fix for reasons. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Uh, and we've got one more Facebook here. Mm-hmm. Kimberly. She Hi, Kimberly. says a six from Brent and a six from mm-hmm. Zach. Mm-hmm. Future knowledge will bump up the Chevron rating for Zach. We get a view from someone who's not jaded about the program, uh, <laughs> but soon's learn, soon learns why everyone rapidly becomes so. <laughs> Zach effects are again inconsistent. I think the insight into Sam as well as Jack at the end is worth a Chevron bump from Brent too. Fair retort. Um, fair retort. I'm sticking with my four because that's my rule. But um, I, I am s- selling short uh, that there is additional character insight, especially for Sam, for sure. Sure. All right. Um, I do need to real quick check that's all on the Facebook group. I want to check the Facebook page to the see. The Facebook page. I'm the Facebook group. Okay, it doesn't look like we have any comments on the Facebook page. Now it's time to oh, go okay. to emails. Email. E-mail. Okay. We have Arnacht predicting. Hi, Arnacht. Prodigy is not an amazing episode, nor is it terrible. Yep. It's one of quite a few SG-1 episodes that share the similar plot elements of this alien planet is hostile. Guess we'd better get to the gate and get off the planet. <laughs> Similar to various episodes involving the Goa Wolves, some future episodes, and Into the Fire. Overall, the episode is a decent 40 minutes of television. I predict that Zach will give it four chevrons, and yep. Brent will give it five chevrons, unless oh. he dislikes swarms so much, uh, yeah. i.e. the rare replicators, that he downgrades it for having swarming things. Okay, I, 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 the downgrade was not for swarms. However, you are right. There you go. I hate swarms. They are the most, the silliest things to be combating against. And Well, they're not silly. They're just really obnoxious. All right. So we have a prediction from David. Hi, David. David says, this Chevron bias buffer is wrong. Yes, that's because you put, <laughs> you, you put a B when it should have been a V. Chevron. And this Chevron bias, bias buffer is wrong. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Good episode, but not great. I like that it set up the we are working on establishing permanent off-world research bases. Yes, that's really good. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Showing that the Stargate program really has gone beyond going to another planet and shooting bad guys. Yes. Yep. It also gives a look at one way in which the SGC goes about recruiting. Yeah, that's nice, too. Uh, that's a decent point, yep. Also mm-hmm. nice to see that the aliens encountered are very different from all the other ones encountered and are not just another bipedal life form. 
Yes. Okay, I, I guess the intelligent water from Watergate counts for that, too. I but was immediately thinking about the intelligent water from Watergate, but anyway, carrying uh, on. Also, unusual for SG-1 storytelling in that there is an A and a B plot. Put all that together right. and you get dramatic pause. A good episode. Mm-hmm. Overall, <laughs> though, the story was just that. Good. Brent, five chevrons because of intelligent and deadly lightning bugs. Because he <laughs> likes bugs or something. Uh, I mean, why else would he have hated Teal turns into a bunch of... Why else would he have rated Teal turns into a bunch of bugs so high? <laughs> bugs are great. Swarms are terrible. Bugs are great. Well, Teal was turning into a whole bunch of swarms. Well, but that, that he didn't. Well, he was gonna. All he, right. he was saved by a super, super soaker. It was actually the squirt at the end that he, he gave, right? He gave the squirt. Sure. Okay, so David also suggests that I will rate this five and a half chevrons. Not a lot for deep discussion, but worthy of that 0.5 bump over Brent. (laughs) There you go. There you go. All right. We have Austin. Hi, Austin. The cons. Why do I care about a genius with angst? Who can relate to that character type? Uh, I don't know. Certainly not me. I mean, I... I'm 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 not a genius per se, but I, I have been called smart. Um, uh, yeah, she's smarter than me, but you know, angst and intelligent. Okay, all right. Sorry. So, uh, am I supposed to feel sorry for her? He says. I am sure she will make a good addition to the SGC, but will we see her again? I can't remember. Also, space oh, bugs yeah. and a big bug zapper. Cool. I, I guess. Also. That is not how EM fields work. <laughs> no. I was also thinking that, but I was also being like, yeah, it's fine. I mean, yeah. it's not fine, but... Mm, if right. you charged someone with a Zat Blast, they would need to remain insulated and not run around on the ground, which would dissipate their electrostatic field. Yeah, was, Don't even get me started was. on the generator connected to the shed. <laughs> yeah. I, it's okay. I mean, it's not okay, but, you know, fine. Yep. Okay. The pros... Bill, I love this character. Mm-hmm. Dr. Bill Lee there. Yeah. That is all I will say is to not ruin stuff for Brent. Good. Thank you. So he gives this episode three and a half chevrons because oh, Dr. Yeah, Bill okay. Lee gets introduced. But he says four chevrons from Zach and three chevrons for Ooh, Brent. Super close. Super, super close. close. And finally, we have Caleb. Hi, Caleb. Prodigy is a great episode. Haley was a bit annoying, but not too bad, and we are introduced to Dr. Lee, who is one of my favorite characters in the SGC. My predictions are Zach 5 and Brent 6. Oh, dear. Well, a little off, but that's okay. I'm glad to hear you liked it, though. You know, and actually, this is is fascinating, because we have one of the uh, writers of this episode saying this is his weakest script out of season four, Mm -hmm. uh, which I don't necessarily agree with, um, but... uh, Still, he tosses that out there. We've got mm-hmm. some folks who say this episode is terrible. We've got right. other folks who say, I love this episode. Yep. And this is why I love this type of art form. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I think you and I have talked about this in the show. I know we have talked about it off air about how flippant enjoyable it is to have you all um, write in with your prediction guesses. Because it, it really does, like... I think it's darn just brilliant getting back to geniuses with angst. Um, Like 
it, it kind of forces you all to sort of sum it up as best you can, right? Like, hit the punch. Mm-hmm. Yep. Tell us where you think you are with the thing. But as a result, we're getting this great just, just smorgasbord of ideas about why this episode resonates or why pe- or why people don't like it as much, et cetera, et cetera. I, I'm finding it brilliantly fascinating. I'm really enjoying this. Indeed. So, Brent. Yes. This is the point in the episode where I turn to you and we look forward into the future at the next episode of uh-huh. Stargate SG-1. I don't know what I was doing. And I tell uh-huh. you that the next episode of Stargate SG-1 is entitled Entity. That's uh, E-N-T-I-T-Y. Uh, okay. okay. Entity. And I ask entity. you, what is Entity all about? Oh. oh. All right. Entity. Entity. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travel through the gate to find themselves on a strange world. They find themselves inside a very futuristic-looking location with humanoids walking around who are unfazed that they seem to have arrived for some reason. Uh, As they walk around, they soon discover, in fact, they are not on a world, but on a ship. A ship traveling at great speeds with a mission of investigation. As they walk around, they suddenly end up finding themselves speaking with the leader of this expedition. And indeed, this happens to be one of the very, very, very first expeditions that the ship is undertaking. Hmm. As the... Hours tick by and they start to wonder, you know, where they are, who they're they're dealing with. They are suddenly confronted with a malevolent force (gasps) that threatens the ship and crew. And this is where Brent suddenly can't remember the actual plot point of the crystalline entity from the Star Trek episode that he's trying to rip on right now. <laughs> um, so are you talking thought, about the episode Data Lore or are you talking about the episode uh the other one? I no, I I was getting Encounter at Farpoint <clears throat> mixed up with I think probably Data Lore. Yeah. Uh, well Encounter at Farpoint is not the crystalline entity. Nope. Nope, not at all. No, nope. that's those, at those which are point like I was like giant oh. like space jellyfish. Right. Who wants a space jellyfish when you can have a crystalline entity? Hey, join us next time for Stargate SG one, where Brent finally figures out entity Ooh, there you go i i think that is probably the most accurate prediction for an episode you have ever made where i finally figure it out yeah probably. well no that you'll figure it out next week <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that's true all right that's true all right shall we watch uh the promo yeah let's actually do the real one all right i am hitting go now next time on stargate sg1 terminate the link <laughs> A gate connection to a remote world brings over an unwanted presence. An electrical entity capable of infiltrating all aspects of Stargate Command. Ooh! Uh-oh. You gotta shoot it with a gun? <laughs> Wait a minute, is it Vidger? The situation Maybe? becomes more dire when the entity takes a human What is host. yours? <laughs> and Colonel Jack O'Neill makes a desperate decision. Oh no, oh no. Holy cow, holy moly! 
It's all next time on Stargate SG-1. That's a pretty mean-looking Amanda tapping! Holy cow! I hope everything turns out all right. I will have to wait next week to find out! Do you think this is where Amanda's relationship with the show just ends? It could be. Oh, no, that would be terrible! The the, the possibility is not zero. It is technically not zero. She could just be a creative consultant for the rest of the seasons. Yeah. yeah. It could happen. Her ghost, her ghost could be always with them. Hence that's why she's on the cover art. It, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Could be. But but this could, could be. be it. This is it. Well, that is Entity, and we will find out next week what Brent thinks of Entity. <laughs> Uh, I do need to say thank you very much to David for uh, yes. the promos. Thank you, David. Uh, mm-hmm. And I need to yell just a little bit at Amazon.com and Amazon Prime for getting rid of Stargate SG-1 from their Prime listing, which just makes me go... Yeah, well, I mean, I have the DVD so I can watch that, but, uh, you know, I was using that. Mm-hmm. All right. You could just buy it on iTunes. Yeah, you could. I mean, you also own them. I mean, I... Like, I, probably four different versions. I own... Well, I don't... I have all of SG-1. I have all of Atlantis. <laughs> uh, I have Stargate Infinity. I actually don't have any Do of uh, Universe. Oh. Well, there, there you go. Um, now, I, I never now, got around to buying know. those DVDs. Now so. we know what to get you for Christmas. There you go. There you go. So if you want to uh, get me Stargate Universe on DVD or Blu-ray, does it come on Blu-ray? I don't know. Hopefully. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> uh, you can uh, get that for me. Uh, I'll be happy to accept that. Thank you. He will. He will totally accept that. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, delightful. So tell us what you think about uh, yeah. this episode. Uh, you know, Anna, you had some thoughts there. I uh, would love to hear more about what you have to say there. Everybody else as well, let us know what your thoughts are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jack, if you ever figure out what are your thoughts were, send those in to us too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, let us know by emailing us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com or finding us on Twitter at Stargate Walking or on Facebook, Walking Through the Stargate Facebook page and the Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Until next time, I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See ya next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.